Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Sunflower Sutras. Now I'm going to deviate from our routine just slightly. Instead of reading a classic as you've all become accustomed to, I am going to be reading today a poem by the deceased Antoine Rose. Now this poem was something he wrote in his English class shortly before he was gunned down by police. His mother, Michelle Kenny, has recently stated that she wants this poem to be heard as much as possible. I am not what you think by Antoine Rose. I am confused and afraid. I wonder what path I will take. I hear there's only two ways out. I see mothers bury their sons. I want my mom to never feel that pain. I am confused and afraid. I pretend all is fine. I feel like I'm suffocating. I touch nothing, so I believe all is fine. I worry that it isn't though. I cry no more. I am confused and afraid. I understand people believe I'm just a statistic. I say to them I'm different. I dream of life getting easier. I try my best to make my dream true. I hope that it does. I am confused and afraid. And now it is my very distinguished honor to present to you, my listeners, Topeka's crown jewel of poetry, Miss Annette Billings. That makes me giggle to hear you say that, Kara. Crown jewel. <laughs> I, I rather like that. <laughs> my next question to myself would probably be, and how many carrots would that be? <laughs> carrots, carrots as in vegetables, not as in fine jewelry. I'm very, very happy to be here. I love the idea and the existence of this station. I'm very happy to be here today. I'm very happy to have you on here because every single person that we have interviewed so far, it's been very silly. They've all said, you know who you need to talk to? You need to talk to Annette Billings. And I kept telling them, it's like, well, me and Annette are very personable and yes, we've yes. talked about this. It's happening. I lovingly refer to you as my poetry daughter. And I, I have since the first time I heard you read at the Shiny Shiny Public Library. I knew you possessed something Politically wonderful. Oh. I was eager to hear more, and I've, I've been absolutely right about you. Oh man, now I'm on the spot. This is your time, <laughs> though. Yeah, I'll take you off the spot a bit if I can. I love that the words I write and the person that I am that they are appreciated. But my most common response to most praise is giggling, and I guess that comes from the notion that my closest connection to writing was that writing was my life raft when I was drowning. And through writing, I was able to swim, somehow find my way to shore. So it still feels a little bit odd to be modest for something that I did to literally save my life. You know? And I want to say sometimes, of course I hung on to poetry and saved my life. You know, Of course I write poetry to maintain my life. And I know it sounds droll, but it's water, food, air, and poetry for me. I think there would be, I know there would be a good deal of me that would cease to survive without writing, hearing, reading poetry. So I appreciate the praise. But uh, if I have a, if I'm a crown 
Crown Jewel, the carrots are a whole bag, a whole bag of baby carrots and jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've lived in Dvika most of my life since I was about eight years old. I was uh, an army brat, so the first eight years of my life we lived many places. But I've been here since I was eight. I'm a public of Dvika Bible One Schools, Oi Hoy, Mighty Troy. And I always wanted to, to write poetry, to do theater, something involved with the, the arts. But as I reached that age where I needed to make a concrete life decision, poetry did not show up on the list of practical things to be. And it seemed very necessary for me to be a practical adult, not this fanciful artist. And so I chose nursing because I was a very inherent caregiver. So nursing seemed to be a just a natural profession for me. And I did. I loved, still love nursing. I've been a registered nurse for four decades. But about oh, four years ago, I decided to take the risk, the giant leap of retiring early and becoming a full-time writer. So since 2015, my profession at large is poet. And I, I love it. I have no, no regrets at all. No regrets at all. Able to go on and publish my first book in 2015. That was A Net Full of Hope. And then that was followed by a collection of affirmations in 2016, which was Discounts for a Daughter. And then my most recent book is Just Shy of Stars. And the title and some of the poetry contained in it is based on our state motto at Astra Paraspera. And I was thinking during one time of writing, what would it be like if a person found themselves at some point just shy of the star or stars that they really wanted to accomplish, grab a hold to? What would it mean to be just shy of stars? So that led to a poem that led to the title of, of the book. And the poem also came about because when most people think of Kansas, they think of sunflowers and wheat and, uh, and which are very lovely things. But brown girls aren't usually the first comes to mind when people think of Kansas. And I have been a Kansan of brownness for <laughs> 62 years. So I like to think about Kansas in terms of being a brown girl and now a brown woman living in Kansas. So that, that's where the poem came from. I'm looking at the book cover right now, and I oh yes, I yes. absolutely love the juxtaposition of symbology on the cover because you have this wonderfully cheerful little girl who's got the wheat sticking out of a, a kind of weaved crown in her afro, and she's yes. peeking at these buffalo, and it's just... It's so beautiful. And like you said, that idea of looking at the brownness in Kansas. It, yes. This is probably one of the best book covers I've seen to oh. just exemplify one point. And I have to give all due credit to Mallory Bilkey, who is a Topeka artist, illustrator, and a good friend of mine. I just kind of told her what I would like to see in the cover. And the very first image that she sent back to me was that one. It was absolutely what I wanted. It's like if she looked inside my mind <laughs> and could see what what I wanted. I love that. So shout out to Mallory Goki. That's G-O-E-K-E. -E. Check out her Facebook page sometime. And I've been very fortunate that my covers have all had a, a personal, I call it a treasure for me. The first book, A Net Full of Hope, was literally a picture of my hands with butterflies flying out of my hands. And I was holding a net, like a, a fishing net. 
And that photograph was taken by Sue Edgerton Johnson, a good friend of mine. And the second book, Death Cans for a Daughter, is actually a silhouette of me performing in Salina, Kansas. So I like that personal connection on covers. The covers are the first thing that you see, so I like that. They are all three so well done. You know, you mentioned your performance in Salina, because that's the cover of Death Cans. There's a couple of things you're a bit notorious for around these parts. And one of them is definitely just how much you and your words get around. That's a good thing, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, it may sound odd, but I think a lot of that is due to my nursing career. In nursing, you interact with truly all kinds of people, and most of them in the most vulnerable part of their lives due to a sickness or, or surgery. And so you gain the ability or you sharpen the ability to be open with people. And I think most people are attracted to that openness because there is some kind of usually internal, um, I don't know, protection that most of us live behind, and rightly so. But I think that as a nurse, I learned to connect with what people wanted and needed. And sometimes that's an extra emphatic hug. Other times it's uh, acknowledgement of their gifts and their treasures. And I, I think just being a nurse helps me know people well. I know it has. It still does. I think that that definitely shines through with, if you ask any given young but established poet in Topeka about the Annette Billings, we all have such kind words and the gist of it ends up being that you're basically a mother to all of us yes i love that i love to hear that there is room in poetry in art for all of us and any i don't know success or progression i might have as a poet and as a person i want to be because i brought others along with me because there's no shortage of people to enjoy art the world needs more poets and you know, more artists more singers more dancers and so i i am honest when i say let's go together <laughs> let's go together i'll applaud for you and you can critique this poem for me and let's just go together in my 20s 30s i didn't do a lot of writing because i was just overwhelmed with other life things and i would have loved to have had someone to kind of say well you know devote five minutes a day to poetry you know oh, i like what you read i like what you wrote you just that kind of encouragement so i hope to be that for other people i love that Yes, you. Oh, my goodness. You most certainly are. I have a confession. One of my favorite writing anecdotes that I tell to people when they're a little bit down is just the fact of how long you worked nursing. And then when you retired, you devoted yourself full time to poetry. And especially in this day and age, there's a lot of push that you have to be very successful by a certain point. Otherwise, you're not successful at all. Absolutely. And I've honestly told everyone from acquaintances at readings to my own husband where they're feeling bad about themselves because they haven't gotten established somewhere yet. And here you are and you're so beloved and well-known locally and for the most part, pretty much across the Midwest at this point, too. Oh, that might be stretching it a bit. I don't think it is. (laughs) Maybe to Auburn, that far west. (laughs) You've been all over Uh, Kansas and Nebraska and if if memory suits me right, you had a reading in Canada. 
I did. <laughs> but that was as a, well, okay, you know what? I'll just take credit for it. Yes, I read my poetry in Canada. <laughs> I did. I uh, am trying to get out of the habit of minimizing success, progress. Those two things are okay. Success and progress are okay to be had. I feel like sort of a latecomer to all of this, you know, but you'd have to look far to find anyone more in love with poets and poetry than I am. So that's my credentials. <laughs> in love with poets and poetry. And the ability of words to change people, circumstances. Oh my, I made the mistake of listening to news today and I'm so distraught about happenings. But poetry is still happening. Art is still happening also. And I believe our salvation, our rescue, our hope lies in the arts because you really, you cannot take art from us. And someone could ban certain things, but art and artists will prevail, yes. That's making a recent development come to mind. You have a poem about when hate knocks. Yes. Do you want me to share that one? If you would love to, I, I would be honored. I would. I originally wrote this kind of in memory of Mother Emanuel, African Methodist Episcopal Church, Charleston, South Carolina. And that church is where nine church members were murdered by a man they invited into their Wednesday night prayer meeting. And I grew up going to a lot of Wednesday night prayer meetings. It's called What You Allow Lingers. What you allow lingers. And what you invite stays put. So speak rudely to discord and all its sullen siblings. Turn a cold shoulder to prejudice and ignore the doorbell when evil rings and stop violence at the door like a stranger. Usher in joy like a long lost friend. Take its coat, its hat, entertain peace. Shut up passion, pamp generosity, and give the gift room to justice. Sweep the porch and put out a welcome mat for goodness and make your life poorly suited for anything except love. And when hate knocks, act as if you do. I really love that piece. I remember when you debuted it. I was so taken by it that I actually wrote a response piece to it. Mm. <laughs> that, is, that is high praise. <laughs> you say high praise, but there can be few praises higher than having words from it painted on the wall. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about giggle-worthy. With the understanding that giggling is my practice of showing absolute joy. Brown v. Board, our National Historic Site, across from it is this wonderful, wonderful mural, 130 feet. I recommend, encourage everyone to go by and stop. There's no oncoming traffic and just take in the color and images and ideas and promises on that mural. I believe it's finished now and the dedication, official dedication will occur in August at a date to be revealed soon. I was asked if some of the words to what allow lingers could be painted on the mural and my, my response was absolutely yes. And that's one of the reasons I feel like sometimes 
poems just kind of circle like airplanes waiting for an open field to land on. And I just happened to be open at the time. What you allow leaders was circling waiting for a place to land. And I am very grateful for that. You know, I used to say about writing poetry, about my poetry anyway, that, oh, I'm just a conduit through which words come. Well, that sounded very humble and normal in the beginning, but what I realized is, as a poem comes through any poet, the poet adds their voice, their life experiences, their desires, their dreams. So I, I'm a conduit, yes, but I'm a very active one in the process, at least I hope to be. I'm grateful for the ability to help people pause for just for a moment to consider some idea. Because that's what we don't get enough time to do is to pause. Our time is so full of things to do that I think it helps us all if we just have some unspoken for moments. So what is next? I was asked the other day if I was working on a book, and I'm certainly working on poetry, you know? If it turns into another book, that would be wonderful. But I enjoy writing and reading other poets' work and listening to other poets and just letting life lead me where uh, life wants to lead me poetically. People ask me what I'm doing on a particular date, and I'll say, I'll have to look at my calendar. <laughs> and I like that my life is full in that way. Just the opportunity to do things. I was able to speak to Dennis Etzel's class last week, and that was marvelous. My favorite audience is students. They really are. See, that's what I was getting at earlier. You are probably the most in-demand poet in Topeka. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know if anybody else is having any more fun or satisfaction. You know, when I left nursing, I was really kind of, you know, after 40 years of nursing, I'm kind of on the downward spiral, you know, looking for retirement, you know. And here I've started up a new profession again. And every time I'm requested to do something or well-received, it feels like an affirmation of yes and that you made the right decision. There is an organization that I have interacted with for the last couple of years, and last year they went back to their board and lobbied for me to have an honorarium. And it wasn't so much the honorarium that moved me, it was the fact that they would take the time and effort, you know, out of a very limited budget, I'm sure, to ask for that on my behalf. So it just doubled the joy. And yes, I did spend it. Because <laughs> <laughs> poets have bills too, don't we? I can think of quite a few people who have personally told me or I've caught wind of saying something along the lines of, make Annette Billings the next poet laureate of Kansas. <laughs> now that, that is going to warrant more than a giggle. That's going to warrant a full out laugh. <laughs> We've been blessed with such, oh, marvelous poet laureates. And I've had the pleasure of meeting all of them and interacting with most of them, which has been quite a joy. I used to fret because many writers have letters to go with it, NFA or PhD, and all my letters refer to nursing <laughs> and nurse-related uh, accomplishments, and so I wasn't quite sure I had the right letters. I've since realized that the only letters that matter are the ones that belong to the words that I, or my muses, allow me to write, if that makes sense. For our listeners at home or in your car or wherever it is that you listen to our show, I just want to clarify that Annette has been, not just for me, but for many poets here in Topeka, has been this constant staple. She was there at my first reading. That's where I met her, and it's been a beautiful friendship since. She is the sole person responsible for the first time that I ever got published. I think success among poets. She feels she 
everyone else had an accomplishment. It belongs to, to all of us. I guess in my world it does anyway. I feel inspired that we have a nice little poetry family here. It makes me feel very comfortable because I know a lot of people in other scenes have complained about things like, oh, there's a lot of competition. But here, here in Topeka, it's a family. It truly is. And you are, you're the matriarch. You definitely are. And before she leaves us, Wonderful Annette Billings has a piece to perform, a new piece called This Just In. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddle masses yearning to breathe free. The huddle masses of your teen shore send me the homeless tempest tossed to me. This just in from CNN, breaking news for immediate release. To be widely shared on anti-social media, this just in from Lady Liberty. May it be known, my quota for huddle masses has been exceeded. I and all of you should be taking time to tend to breaths of our own. Oh, and that lamp thing... It's been long since blown out. That golden door, now it's adorned with a sign that reads closed. Wishing you the best, Lady Liberty. Thank you so much for reading that for us. I am not joking when I say that everyone we've been working with since we started this show, every single one of them has mentioned you. And I just, I want you to know how appreciated and loved you are by the community that you're a part of. If you love poetry, you need to, not you should, you need to read Annette Billings' work. I accept that fully and am unbelievably moved by that. Thank you. Of course. Thank you so much for being on our show. My pleasure. My pleasure. And now for our listener submissions, we have a couple pieces by another local favorite, A.M. Hounschel. Invisible tea, visibility, that ghost in the rain screeched the chalkboard in my brain. How it got there, I could not explain, moving slow like the wind, causing the raindrops to bend, running as fast as I could from the past. The ghost was neither here nor there. It was made from my fear of the darkness and the shade of the drawing the child made, hanging on my fridge, a simple metaphysical bridge. The thing in the rain was nothing but me from a different plane. Wish I knew what it thought, what it was here for, why it sought instead of stood, dead as it could, waiting for me to look, to trap me in its book. Cosmic Cube Round and round the cosmic cube, can you see the hood of death? Missing a single silver thread, take his hand and walk with him? Want to play some hoops, you said? I'll be skins and he'll be shirts. Heck, you can even shoot first. You cannot win this game, he said. You are mortal and need to breathe. I am death and have no needs. He shoots a two but scores a three. He's death. He's allowed to cheat. 
In one bright flash, he'll be gone, leaving only a silver thread to look upon. And when you take your last breath, in sudden burst, there's death again, holding nothing but a ball, round and round, no fear at all. Without meter and rhyme. In a world where even Satan would whine, where all roads are at an incline, a place where moral quality is at a decline, this is a world without meter and rhyme. In a place where everything smells of pine, where every cake is a landmine, a place where vending machines take only dimes, this is a world without meter and rhyme. In a world where there's no Twizzlers, only red vines, where all yield signs are stop signs, a place where Sprite has lemon but not lime. This is a world without meter or rhyme. A place where love turns to slime, where every bathroom has a line, a place where clocks can't tell time. This is a place without meter and rhyme. Thank you for those pieces, A.M. Hounchell. I hope to hear more from you at a future date. And if you or someone you know might be interested in submitting poetry, please feel free to submit any and every piece that you can think of to our Facebook page or email them directly to me at tara.bartley at yahoo.com. Remember, I want everything you can throw at me. I don't care the size. I don't care the subject. I want any kind of poetry on my show. If you've got micro poetry, if you've got comedy poetry, love poetry, sci-fi poetry, it does not matter. I just want to share your work on my show. Thank you all very much for listening. Salongo fall and farewell.